Hey, everybody. Welcome hey. to the Eye Opener Society. Uh, today is September 14th. Uh, it's the year 2023, and a lot of time has passed, believe me. You have your two hosts. You have me, Gary, have uh, my stepdaughter, Hannah. Together, we form the Eye Opener Society, our podcast, our little place. Welcome. I'm so happy people can join us. We are doing this live over wisdom as well uh so if you have not yet downloaded your wisdom app i don't know what you are waiting for go to the apple play store go to google's uh google play google play uh download the app wisdom it's great it's great for podcasters it's great for people spiritual mindfulness i there's so many categories on there it's great if you have a voice and if you wanted to start podcasting and if you have something to say you get a built-in audience on there. It's it's really good, and they're really improving a lot of things. They're rolling new things out. So I'm really excited to be part of that wisdom community, and I hope everybody else can be too as well. Um, definitely download it, and you can hear us there, Eye Opener Society as well. Uh, we are going to be talking about some things today, and it's basically it's going to be September 11th, all right, 2001. It's really, like I say, it's 2023 right now. And to think of the time that has passed in all of this 22 time. 22 years. 22 years. Hannah, where were you when this happened? Oh, how old was I? Hold on. <laughs> I was four? Four years old. Oh, was I four? Hold on. I was born in 97. So, so it was in 2001 that it happened. Okay. And my birthday's in August. So I was four or five. Four. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I was in, I don't know if I was either home with my mom or if I was in school, mm -hmm. but like vaguely, um, you know, PTSD, anxiety and stuff. I kind of block out a lot of my childhood traumas, um, but I think like vaguely, I remember like, like TV being turned on and just like silence in the room. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. It's just, and this is why I do the show too with you, for those of you that, um, you know, Noah, this is like the yin and the yang. I, I got Hannah as, um, you know, my co-host because it's interesting. You got the older me, you got the younger Hannah. Um, and we just, you know, we have two different views on everything. And to think and to realize that, you know, it so much time has gone past, but I remember everything. Um, so what happens really I'm sorry. We, we got to take a little pause here uh, for all those. Uh, I don't know what's going on. My camera uh, just went out, so I just kind of had to talk about stuff. So I'm wondering what you remember <laughs> of it while I'm doing this. Um, I don't remember honestly. Like I said, I don't remember much. I had a lot of like childhood trauma, so a lot of my childhood is blocked out. Um, but just remembering like just like the years after, just like the moments of silence that um you know, learning about it during school, you know, like the kind of like rituals that people like adapted to, um, you know, honor and remember and support all of the people who lost their lives or lost their loved ones on 9-11. And it's just, um, it's sad. Like, and I don't think like as time goes by, I don't think it gets any easier for people. I just think that it was the probably one of the most devastating things that has ever happened. Um, and I don't, I don't even know how to put into words, like how, like, 
I can't like, I just, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, every time you like think about it, you can't help just like have your heart sink because it was just, it was absolutely devastating. And the one thing about nine 11, um, that like, I love to see is when people say, let's all be how we were on nine, 12, 20, 2001. And it was when we were all united. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about different cultures. It wasn't about religion. We were all united as one. We were all mourning and grieving the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I do apologize for putting you on the spot like that. We just know you're little, okay. Well, no camera like- failure right there. I was like kind of, oh, the camera went out. I had to fix it, but I didn't mean to answer your crippling anxiety there, but you did good. Uh, thank you for standing in. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been so long. And to think, you know, I have someone next to me who is four years old when this happened and it's been so many years for me but i gotta say it's it's really unique from that perspective not it's not so much like oh making you feel old it's just the fact that there are so many different generations when this is happening it's really interesting i can't fathom the amount of time that has passed and that there are so many people that actually never even experienced this now so that's what's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so we are recording this show um, right now, many years later, and we are now doing podcasts. I mean, we have our regular jobs during the day, but so much has happened through that time frame. Uh, and to those people that are on Wisdom right now, I just want to, if people are standing by to come on the show with us, we're actually recording the podcast. So I'm not going to take any, but what we'll do is once the podcast has ended Hannah and I would definitely love to have you jump up on here and you know we'll talk to you as individually it's just we're not set up right now to have people on wisdom to come across we just didn't set that up so that's why I'm not ignoring you I know you're standing there waiting um come back up I'll let you know once the recording stops and then we can actually you know speak to you guys so yeah going back uh to today so this is my background um And this is why I'm doing the show today, because it has to do with a lot of mental health, meditation, spirituality. It's all going to tie into one. But many years ago, um, just before 1992, so we're going back to, you know, early 90s, I was I had gotten my emergency medical technician certificate in the city of New York. That's where I was born and raised. And I don't know, I was working for the city of New York for some time. Uh, I was working for the Board of Education. I was doing truancy uh, work. I was going after truant students and they chose me because I was the biggest truant ever. (laughs) So, But we were also dealing a lot with the school security too as well. We worked alongside them and uh, that went through a quick phase. It was a great job, but uh, the city's budget was going and I was so low on the totem pole. And I was laid off and I didn't know what I was going to do. It was definitely a great job. So I went out and then just out of curiosity about it, I said, well, I always wanted to work on an ambulance, you know? Yeah. And I went out and uh, I got my uh, certification and I started working for like a couple of private ambulances and stuff like that. And I had my application in for the city of New York. Then uh, I wound up getting a job with uh Empress Ambulance. I don't know if they're still around, and I'm pretty sure they probably are. 
Empress was a private ambulance, but they had the 911 contract for uh, the city of Yonkers in Westchester, New York. So I started working for them. And while I was working for them, I got a call for uh, New York City. And I went through the entire interview process and the background checks. And it was just, it was typical New York City, you know, hold your breath and wait, basically. I wound up getting it and I wound up going into the, the, um, academy i had to go through the entire emergency medical technician course again but through their standards the new york city standards new york city protocols and all and i was fan just amazed by it and i think back now i said that was the job that i was going to do for life that was my career i was going to do that i loved it so much it was the one thing that i loved going to it was the only job i ever enjoyed going to every single day i enjoyed doing it i you know, my days off, I was getting involved in stuff. It was just, it was pretty amazing. You basically, you had the key to the city. Uh, That badge you wore on your chest back then, it opened doors for you. Uh, People allowed you into their homes during the most critical moments in their lives. It got you across police lines. It got you everywhere. And the things you've seen, you know, it just, the knowledge it gives you, the, uh, Oh, it, I mean, I can't even, you know, begin to explain the, uh, you know, the character it builds in a person, you know, not to mention the breakdown of your psyche sometimes, you know, you're dealing with so much stuff, so much stress. Uh, but, you know, I thrived in that environment. I was a real, back then, believe it or not, I was a real type A personality, yeah. go get them. And that's what I wanted. And I demanded the best from the guys I was working with. So I did that, and uh, that was 1992 that I had gotten in. And I didn't stay too long because what happened is New York City went through a lot of changes uh, later on in the 90s. It started to see a merger of uh, the mayor then, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He uh, had this idea to consolidate a lot of the city agencies uh, back then, there was three police agencies, at least major police agencies. It was New York City Housing Authority, New York City Transit Authority, as well as the New York City Police Department. He just merged all police departments under New York City's police department. And he did everything. He did the school security. He did the parking meter maids. He merged everybody and made everybody emerge uh, the uh, New York City Police Department. And uh, so he wound up doing it with the fire department as well. Mm. So the New York City Fire Department then absolved into, actually we, the emergency medical services, absolved into the fire department. And it was a huge, you know. Shit show? It was. It was a real (laughs) shit show. Thank you. I mean, that's exactly the word I was looking for. It became a breakdown because nobody wanted, like the New York City Fire Department did not want to do our job. We did not want to do their job, uh, but their unions fought for it because what it was going to do was going to give them the numbers as far as the number of people in there so they could get more money. It increased the number of minorities that were on their department and all. It just looked good for them all around, but they didn't want to do that job. And I remember in the very early stages, I wasn't even there for it. They literally started contracting out private ambulances to handle the 9-11 calls. And they were dropping patients in the streets. And it was such a mess. But I was I was a part of that. And I actually started to write a book 
when I left based on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody knows that. Yeah. Huh, right. I actually did. I actually wrote a book. Uh, I had the working title EMS. What a mess. That's what it was. And I was uh, just writing it. And I had a lot of the concepts down, but I actually hired somebody to assist write that book. And amazingly enough, the first draft that came out, it was like a children's book. It was nothing like what I wrote because it was gritty. It was hardcore. And this person, you know, I guess I didn't look into their work and how they did it. Yeah, It literally came. And so I abandoned the entire idea because at that time I really wasn't into writing. Even though I had that idea, I would love to write a book one day, but that was my first attempt at it. So I abandoned it. I just abandoned it. And I said, okay, no big deal. And I left it at that. So after the merger with New York City, there was a lot of problems with the union because the union basically sold us out. Um, And again, there were so many problems with the fire department and trying to handle us and the mismanagement and all uh, for a while. And believe it or not, my first wife um, back then, her and I were both working for emergency medical services. So they wound up passing down a buyout or severance package to people that were not on the job that long. That's, or at least that's, they were trying to get rid of people that were on the job for a long time, like more than 13 years. But the amount that they were offering was only attractive to people that were only there for a few years, such as myself and my wife then at the time. So we seen what was coming down the pipe. There was nothing left. The whole system was changing. We felt that I started, my check started, to appear as New York City Fire Department, but they haven't actually changed the colors yet. We haven't actually changed the uniforms over yet. So I was in the merger for like a short period of time, the very early stages. And I started to, like I said, I seen what was coming down the pipe. And I said, we have to bail. We got to, you know, put the brakes on. We got to get out of this. So we took the severance package. Yeah. Um, We took that money and we, Ran away. <laughs> we literally just packed up, ran away, and we went to Southern Virginia, just like that. Uh, and now, what you, date was that? Ooh, it had to be nineteen ninety eight, I believe, okay. like late nineteen ninety eight, going into nineteen ninety nine, I believe. Because I remember when I left, we only spent one year in Virginia. Uh, because imagine that: two people born, raised in the Bronx, New York, <laughs> going to good old Virginia, Southern Virginia, at that. And yeah, it was major culture shock. And this ties in because like I said, in my first marriage, there was a lot of, you know, talk, you know, toxic nonsense going on then. But it was really brought to a head because again, it was the disassociation that I had. And these are the things I never really spoken about. Like when I left New York City and went down to Virginia, I was supposed to start a whole new life down there. I spoke to some guys in the Williamsburg Fire Department down there. And they were like, yeah, come on down, whatever you want. We'll get you in. And I did. I went down there and I said, hey, we're here. And then all of a sudden, just like true Southern personality, true Southern, you know, stereotypes, they're, they're really friendly to your face behind your back. 
I've never seen such backstabbing before. It was like they didn't even know you once you actually took them up on their offer. And I can't, I'm not, you know, saying that's everybody down south, but that's, you know, the way it was. And we went through a lot of like discrimination. Uh, you know, us Yankees from, you know, I was like, what, yeah. like, what are we back in the, you know, 1800s or something, <laughs> you know, sorry. it's like, excuse me, you know, but we had our big New York city attitudes down there and we had nothing. I mean, there was no money to be made. There was no real jobs down there. So it was a struggle and it was a strain on, you know, the marriage and a lot of things just started changing. A lot of things started happening in my life because I'm taking this personality with me and I'm taking yeah. it down there. And so many things, it just clashed with everybody. I couldn't be myself. Yeah. Nobody got the jokes I've made. You know, it was every little aspect of my life was questioned and I lost my identity. I identified not only with New York, but I was uh, New York City, you know, emergency medical service. I was the lifesaver. I was doing so. And now I was basically nobody. That's what it boiled down to. I became a nobody in a place that did not like me. And my first wife, she was uh, Korean. And like I said, there was just so much discrimination that we, you know, noticed from the people down South, like, Oh no, Korean. And, you know, literally it was like, it was really weird. It was like going back in times, like, you know, 17, 1800s, you know, very odd. And that's why we only spent one year there. We made exactly one year and we just, you know, fled after that. We came up to Maryland. And that's where we settled. We settled in Maryland. And that's when a lot of my life started to break down, at least in the marriage too. I mean, that's, it was going through a lot of hell, but September 11th occurred when we were in Maryland. So I've already been away from New York for like just about three years. Everything was still fresh in my head names. I was still in contact with people that I was working with. And I was still in contact with a lot of, you know, what was going on. I made a couple trips up, you know, just prior to that. But when September 11th, and like you said, like you were four years old, but you still remember something. Yeah. I, of course, like I said, now I was working, I had a job working um, in Maryland. I was uh, shipping and receiving uh, security. And I was just chilling out, listening to the radio when, you know, the news came on uh, that one of the towers was struck by a plane. Now, funny thing, like in a New York sense of mind, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, like you one know? Of the, one, a tower. Okay, what <laughs> yeah. tower? Yeah, but no, it was, I mean, they knew it was World Trade Center, but it was just like, oh, okay. And, you know, it, it was news, but to me, it was just like, oh, cool. You know, because I, I was going into that mode like when i was with the emergency medical services it was i was like oh i would have been there i would have been heading down right now from the bronx because back then when i was with the service i uh worked on a tactical unit and the job of the tactical unit basically was for disasters anything yeah. multiple casualty incidents we were there for it although they changed it because they wanted they were sh- always so short staffed then they changed it. The tactical unit basically became like if something big was happening, you were covering the areas that had the highest call volume, basically. But yeah, I would have been there. I know me. I know my partners that I worked with. We would have just jumped on that radio. We would have switched over to the Manhattan frequencies and we would have just headed straight down there. So and I'm just listening to the news like, oh, wow, a plane struck the world. And it was nothing. 
Like you didn't think like your head didn't go to terrorism. No, not at first. Not at first because simply it occurred. And like I said, all right, it's, I don't think it was the first time a plane ever struck the World Trade Center. I think a plane actually struck the Empire State Building at once, you know. So it was oh, okay. I mean, not out of the realms of possibility. You yeah. know, it, this is, you know, a lot of disasters happen in New York City, a lot of big things. So I'm just listening to it. It's like, okay, well, something happened, you know, a plane struck. We don't know what type of plane yet. We don't know anything. We're just, okay. It's a, it's a big thing going on right now. Obviously it's in the news and I'm just sitting there like, oh, wow, what would I be doing if I was down there? You know, just, you know, so I'm just listening to this news and, you know, I remember a few people were actually you know, calling me um, that from the job I was working in. They were saying, hey, you hear what's going on? It's like, yeah, I hear it. And they're like, wow, you know, and they started questioning me. And started, yeah. You know, because they knew what I used to do up there. So very casual at first. It was really nothing. Um, and just about the time that the second plane had struck or so-called plane struck this tower, it – it was odd. They said, even I was thrown. So I started switching the radio channels around because it started going now on every news. So I was just trying to find one that had better coverage. Because I was like, how did a second plane now just strike into the other tower? Is that is it, yeah. it's a quinky dink for it to happen in the first place on the you know first yeah. tower? And then my brain started going back when I was working, when I was part of emergency medical services. Oh. I think it was my last year. I don't remember the date. Probably 98. Oh, I, I do apologize. I do this on script that I should have taken better notes. But the World Trade Center was actually under attack. They had driven a van full of explosives into the basement of the building and blew it up, basically. And I was working. And I remember I was actually off that day. And my one of my partners called. He says, you hear? He was off. And he was thinking about suiting up and going down there. And I, I was just like, I'm taking a day off, man. I'm not going to deal with yeah. that clusterfuck that's going on down there. We didn't think nothing of it. And, you know, so my brain just went back to that when that second plane struck. And I was like, wow, it wasn't not too long ago they attacked the you know World Trade Center with, you know, bombs. And I said, now – a plane just struck one, and now I said, this, "This is getting weird." And I, I started to get, you know, that second, third, eighth sense, whatever it is. You start feeling that something is wrong and something is going on, mm. and I started to get that panic mode. And then just about, you know, when I start picking up all this information, that's when we start hearing, "Okay, a plane went into the Pentagon," and then I, everybody at that point knew that, you know, yeah, we're under yeah. attack. And there was so that said. plane in Pennsylvania. Yeah, there was a. You know, Cuntsville, uh, Pennsylvania, where that plane went down. So I everything was just happening. And at this point, I think the world was aware we were, quote unquote, under attack. And I went into this weird mode where, holy shit, because I mean, I still knew a lot of people in New York. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. There are many people. I still had my ex-partners working up there. And I, yeah, you I said, whoa, know. you don't know what's going on. You don't know, you know, family's still up there and all this. And so... You can't really even make phone calls at because that time. Because the lines are so busy and everything's mm -hmm. just in complete chaos that you're just like, you're not being able to reach anybody. Yeah. And the a lot of the train lines were running right underneath the World Trade Center. A lot of people, you know, say it's not just the trade centers, but the subway lines that were running underneath. The, I, I said there was, I said, I couldn't even fathom the amount of disaster that 
and the amount of people injured, dead or whatever, I said, from something like this. Yeah. But again, I said, well, this is New York City. They can handle this. It's not a big deal. But I started to realize, you know, okay, we're under attack and mainstream media. Let me tell you, they started putting everything up and they started putting the narrative out right away that we're under attack and all. And here's where we start going into things I never spoke about. I was like, back then, whatever the news was saying, I was believing. I was actually saying, okay, well, the news is reporting it. This must be yeah. what's going on. So, okay. So we're under attack and all this other stuff, you know, and I'm just ready. Uh, all I remember is like after this happened, when I went home and at that point, I think the first tower had fallen, you know, and okay, I, I'm watching it. I seen it fall. I watched the second tower fall and I said, wow, this has really changed the face of New York City. Now, I identified so much with New York City being from there and that's all I really ever known. And it was almost like my identity was just erased when those towers fell. Yeah. I, you know trying to get in touch with a lot of people and I couldn't, you know, and so my wife at the time and I think it was a day later, we packed up a rental car. We loaded it full of supplies. I remember buying socks, underwear, uh, water, and just loaded up this rental car to the point where the bumper was dragging. And we just drove right into Manhattan. Uh, and we went to like the first do fire companies to the tower and we just dropped off all these supplies to them and all. And I just started asking questions. Do you know this person? Do you know that person? And I was just trying to find that people. Time you don't know. Yeah, they we didn't know. don't. Yeah, it was no one really knew what was going on, really. Nobody knew the full count of the casualties. Nobody knew really much of anything. They were digging people out of the rumble for weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And we stayed up in New York. Uh, my wife then at the time, her sister lived in Brooklyn. So we were staying there in Brooklyn and we were monitoring everything and we were listening to all the news and we were watching Bush talk about, you know, oh, we're going to war and all this. And I'm just still sitting there. And like you said, I'm listening to, hey, they're still digging people out. There's people it missing. You want to like suit up and you go. It did. It really did. And again, I lost my identity when I lost my identification, when I turned it in, when I left. And I really had nothing to go down there with. So we went down, you know, by ground zero as close as we can get. And we started going to the hospitals and, you know, we started finding you know, the ambulances and we started, you know, finding people. And suddenly we started meeting up with people that we knew. And we started asking questions and, you know, EMS didn't suffer very many casualties. Uh, unfortunately, those casualties happened well after from the cancers and all that, yeah. that New York City absolutely denied the medical benefits. And I could go on and on. That's another podcast. It was really disgusting. But so many people that I know personally passed away due to the cancers and, you know, lived very, very painful lives after that. Uh but the ones that I knew were police officers, a couple of firefighters and all. I mean, New York City years ago uh, with the emergency medical services, they were modeled actually after New York City's police department. Yeah. People don't realize that it wasn't, you know, like everybody knows the fire department sitting in a firehouse waiting for calls. Not us. We were exactly like the police department. We had sectors. We didn't go inside of quarters. We drove around and we patrolled sectors. Um 
we had police radios. Yeah. We monitored police radios. We could assist them at any time. We heard things before they even went over to 911 system and we were able to go. So yeah, that's how it was. So we went down and we started finding, you know, these people that we work with. So a lot of the police officers I worked with and I started getting some names and that they were missing and all that. And then when I you found- hear missing, you hear yeah, I, it's it that means they're gone. They're gone. You're right. It's it's weird because I said, okay, they're missing, which in all talks when you're talking, you know, any kind of emergency service, they're dead. That's yeah. what it meant. They're dead. They're not coming back. It's simple as that. And I remember going through some of the lists that started coming out and I just started seeing some names. And you realize, like, when I took that job, I realized death was going to be an option, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it could have happened. They showed us all the videos when we were in the academy and all that. Uh, there was a real possibility because we went in before the police arrived. We went into every situation. We didn't care. That's the way it was back then. Um, and I knew in the back of my mind that, yeah, death was what, and you took that risk. You accepted that yeah. risk. I don't, and I always said well after the attack that, yeah. 343 firefighters, the police officers, but what about the civilians that went to work every single day, you know, just doing the daily grind and then being killed? I was like, there's no risk for them. It's just going to work. You know, there's a risk in the emergency service side, but no risk. It's like, you know, anybody else, hey, you're just doing your job, man. Yeah, nothing to do with nothing. Yeah, I can't even like every year during 9-11, you know, the families and stuff like that of people whose like loved ones worked in the trade centers, they post like their last voicemails or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, it's me. Something's going on. They're trying to evacuate us. And that's the last, like, I love you so much. Like if anything happens and it's Mm -hmm. just like devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And here, here's the things that I wanted to talk about since you bring that up. I listened to it and I used to cry all the time. I'm like in tears right now because yeah. it's just like sad. It is. And you listen to those things and yeah, from regular everyday people, you know, yeah. and it, it was one thing for people, you know, like I said, like me, yeah, I started getting the names, but you know, I, in a manly sense, it's like, listen, you didn't die in vain. You did something. Yeah. Um, You're almost proud, you, you know, hats off salute they the lied in the diet, like the line of duty. Yeah. And that's what it was. You went there, you did your job. Um, and it was the same thing like me. There, there were times I, you know, listen, I was shot at, you know, I had, you know, somebody put a pair of shears almost through my chest, you know, you took the risk, but these people, everyday people, the ones we were protecting, the ones we were saving, they were just going to work, man. Who wants to die going to work, man? Is that, so I I got more sympathy sometimes for that. And the people like, and I don't think people like, I mean, of course people talk about it, but like what people I feel like forget sometimes is like, imagine the people on the planes that were hijacked, how they felt in those moments. Yeah. Um, and I'll get to that because there's more obviously to the show that's going to yeah. deal with that, but you're right. I, but there are, there's, I've heard all the tapes. I've heard all those recordings yeah. to loved ones and all that did affect me because like I say, well, after like, after it all happened and all, and you know, I stayed in Brooklyn for a while while this is going on once I returned home and, you know, basically going back to normal life, things were changing for me. The marriage was failing. I knew that was over. And a lot of it had to do with leaving New York. It had to do with that identity crisis I was going through. 
names of people that uh you know that i know perished and then i was like starting to question should i have ever left you know i know i just took the severance package because i knew the whole job wasn't going to be the same should i have saying and it's not so much survivor's guilt but it was just like i should have been there yeah it's like what you could have like what you could have done you know yeah even if it was nothing yeah like even if you did nothing or it's like you like probably had the thought in your head like what if i could have saved one person Mm -hmm. even if i didn't go down let's say they deployed me into one of the areas because i mean listen every ambulance in the world had to have been down there so who was taking care of the regular 911 calls that were coming in who was helping those people i mean even if i was just doing that i would have been doing something and it did it i can't even begin to like i don't know where it started i started making a few friends i had one close friend that stood by me for a while and got me through a lot of things because psychologically i started to break down i like i said loss of identity i didn't know who i was anymore lost people i lost people i lost myself i I really did i lost that self that identity that i had and with all of the news reports and all the mainstream media I, i was getting it in and i started to hear about that narrative and how the trade sensors actually fell and they explain how it was the jet fuel and the jet fuel burned and bent the steel frames and all that and i was swallowing all of this up and i said it started to make sense in my head and for a bunch of years to like mid 2000 2005 six maybe i was constantly bombarding myself with that every year september 11th i was crying i was watching the videotapes the memorials and i was crying and i said wow this was really such a tragedy and you know fuck them for you know doing this to us and bombing us and you know attacking people on you know soil and all that and my first marriage dissolved it was gone It, it was over with and i was still trying to get together with people that I knew from, you know, back then. And I couldn't make contact. I maybe have contact with one person really, you know, after all this time. And then, like I said, people started dying from the cancers and getting sick and it was just constant. It took a major toll on me and how I viewed life and how I viewed my life. And those days, were dark. I mean, they were just dark. I never told anybody about it. It, I went through life every day, just listening to the narrative of that September 11th. And I remember right then and there, the entire world had changed. It created a false sense of security. Now, no matter where you went, you had to have like ID and you, yeah. you know, x-ray machines before you even did something like getting something out of a vending machine. You needed, you know, ID yeah. and, you know, it, and that was the new norm, so to speak. And if you don't really look up a TV show that was on HBO back when it was HBO, even they changed Jesus called Rescue Me. Watch that series. I started to identify a lot with that. Uh, it was a comedy basically, but at the same time, it dealt with the subjects. And I think it was done so well because that's exactly what the fire department was like. But a lot of people I could identify with like that. But all in all, I started to look every day into the 9-11 attacks in all. And believe me, I say, oh, wow, it's just so weird. I believed every single thing that was told to us, everything. I was meditating at, you know, 
like I said, 20 years ago. So I started meditating and I was only doing it to just help relax. It's all, it wasn't a spiritual thing to me. It really wasn't. That came much later, but with my mental health, that was breaking down all those years. And like I said, every year it was a thing. Sit in front of that damn TV, watch all the documentaries on 9-11 and cry my fucking eyes out. Yeah. And I started thinking about people I knew and all. And then things have changed. Um, I don't know really what happened. Uh, I'm sorry, we're losing cameras again. Oh, man. All right. I do apologize to our YouTube viewers, but we keep losing our cameras. But um, I'm going to give a moment here uh, without the camera. So I'm just going to pause. And you guys on Wisdom, thank you for dealing with us. Just give us one second. Technical difficulties. Yes, technical difficulties. This is weird. <laughs> I mumbled something under my breath, but I won't say it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want to say until the show's over. Wow, everybody, thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you, guys. Yeah. And I'm not editing this either. Yeah. <laughs> We're the real know, deal. We're the real deal. This happens. It looks like the... Let's see. Mm-hmm. there we go all right so we're back all right do apologize for that again especially to people on youtube but things happen it the, this show is real and that's all it is um so yeah with my mental health breakdown my marriage then gone uh and me just crying every year at the memorials and the documentaries and i, mean, I must i'm sorry go ahead you me. wanted to make sense you wanted to, it to make sense and it didn't make sense once each year passed well, actually, what was weird, what was not making sense was what was happening to me. Yeah. Uh, I was, like I said, I was meditating and meditating was just to be calm. And, but I, it was only recently in a couple of years, I really went to the spiritual route of things. But what happened? <laughs> I'm what I watched and I believed everything about how the Trade Center had fallen, the buildings, because. That's what I became interested in many more years later when I started to accept things more. I started watching how those towers fell. And at some point, and mind you too, when this happened, the internet was still in its infancy. It wasn't as big as it was. It was I remember it being bulletin boards. <laughs> you know? There wasn't memes. There wasn't memes, and there was, you know. So I do remember a lot of books coming out, and a lot of books had really clear photographs it was a it was weird to me i was like they're putting out like these coffee table books of photographs of the damage and the death and the destruction and it was just like full color glossy photographs of the entire 9-11 and i remember going to libraries and stuff and looking at all these pictures and like i said i there was really not i was on the internet um maybe to see titties and that was about it back then <laughs> you know hey listen i'm a man what can i say but i wasn't going down any conspiracy theory routes I wasn't looking into any of that, but I was flipping through pages of books and I don't remember exactly when, but at some point I remember looking at one of these pictures. I think of the 
Pentagon damage. And I remember saying, where the fuck is the plane? Yeah. And I don't know what hit me from there. But at that very moment, I said, wow, something really is wrong. I said, there is not a single fucking picture of a plane anywhere. Yeah. Now, that might have been the wake up time for me. And this whole mental funk that I was in, I started to watch the the, uh, documentaries to start catching mistakes or errors. I said, there's got to be some. I remember there was a whole report that came out, but it was done by people that had something to do. It wasn't independent people that investigated this whole thing. I was never political. I had no idea about anything. I had no idea what Democrat was. I had no idea what Republican was. I had nothing. I, dude, I was a dude from New York City that was just out, you know, having fun, trying to save the world. I knew nothing about politics. I knew nothing about conspiracy theories. I had no idea or knowledge of the spiritual world or anything like that. And I think that's when my identity started to come through. I can't remember what year or anything, but I started to question life. Not so much the whole events in 9-11, but I started to question life. And I'm doing it more so now, much harder, because now I started to see things. And I wanted to tie this in because when you are meditating or you're spiritual and all, that's what it's really about. You get into a realm. Once you get to a higher level of meditation, you fall into this realm where you're able to see things. And you know our slogan, open your eyes and then open your eye. That's how it is. You have to open your eyes first and see things the way they are around you before you're able to actually open up that third eye and actually see things from a spiritual sense. And that's what happened to me in recent years. So I'll say this. I no longer believe it was a war. I no longer believe we were attacked by some People that were in a cave somewhere and hijacking planes in the most secure place with our military the way it is. And yeah. the way those towers came down, I started questioning every single thing they said. And I said, there is no fucking way it happened like that. Those towers fell due to some sort of man-made implosion, self-destruction. It was not because those planes. Because I was like, I even questioned myself. I said, well, how did I believe this in the first place? Well, it was mass media just telling us, you know, they took hold of our emotions. I was so stuck in a bad emotional place that I was relating everything to what I seen on the fucking TV. Mm -hmm. Once I just started questioning and, and without even going down a conspiracy, I'm just questioning what I was seeing. And this show, the Eye Opener Society, will never force you to believe what we believe. We will just present things to you at face value, and that's it. I could tell you my opinions, and they don't matter much, and I'm not going to change anything that happened. But I got to say, none of that shit happened the way they said it did. Yeah. And with all the years of watching those towers fall, did you? how many buildings fell that day? Three, two. Two. Yeah, two. You were right the first time. Three buildings fell. You never hear about World Trade Center seven. Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to say three. I was like, there's three. I know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everybody just thinks about the two towers yeah. that fell. World Trade Center seven, building seven fell. Yeah. Completely fell, imploded into its own footprint. Wasn't hit by a plane. It just had a couple fires in a few of the floors, nothing big, just from, you know. 
just regular fires. How does a building fall because of a couple of fu- like into its own footprint? And if you research building seven, you know, and I'm not going to go down every conspiracy about it because there is a lot. Again, do your own damn research. I've done mine. But when I start real, wow, that third building went down and I started looking into it. I said, yeah, there is an ultimatum going on over here. There's something else. It, that's when my mind changed. That's when I started to change. That's when I started questioning every fucking thing because I go back to when I was with Emerge. It, it, it lit a flame in you. Yeah. And you got your, I think you started to get your identity back when you kind of tried to make sense of things mm-hmm. and you like necessarily not got angry, but it lit your flame. Mm-hmm. It did. It did. You're absolutely right. Things started changing in my life. The direction I was going in changed. I didn't watch those documentaries anymore to sit there and cry and sulk. I was watching them and say, that's all bullshit. And that's where I became where I am today. And now I can tell you a lot of stuff about it. When I was working for emergency medical services back in the day, I can tell you right now, no matter what happened, the media always, because we were interviewed a lot. We were on TV a lot, you know, just because it was all newsworthy stuff that we were dealing with. But I'll never forget my wife at the time. She was in a little fender bender uh, with the ambulance. And she was on one of the local news and a very, very local newspaper, you know, hardly they twisted the story it wasn't even and it was funny you say it's like yeah they twisted because you know what they took a photograph from an angle that angle because the whole thing was the person that hit the ambulance ran a stop sign but the angle that they took the photograph in made it look like that the ambulance ran the stop sign and we always and we knew that about the media. We knew it back then. Yeah. They always said, be careful of everything you say because they will twist every single word, you know, and that's what it was. So now I'm like, wow, the media did that to me. I believed and I bought into every single thing. And I was just listening to whatever was spoon fed me. And I didn't question anything. And now I question every damn thing. Yeah. And that entire event. So now I'm mad because Nobody's got the truth. And remember what we had to talk about our show, especially with the rebranding and the eye opener society. I said, we do these conspiracies because we're not given the truth. The truth is withheld from us. So what else are we to do other than draw our own conclusions? Locked in a tiny folder mm-hmm. in a box that's inside of a box that's inside of a room that's inside of a bigger room behind guns that we'll mm-hmm. never see. Yeah, it's probably right next to the black boxes of those two planes that they never seem to have found. Weird. But that's where we are now. My tragedies, you know, occurred. I wasn't even there. You know, like I said, I wasn't even working for the city then, but I went down, but it affected me profoundly because of the attachment I had. I lost my identity. I lost everything. It took many years of rebuilding and figuring things out. And once I figured things out and I got to right where I am now, sitting next to you doing this show, knowing that I can speak now freely, getting this stuff off my chest and actually saying it for the first time in front of an audience of people that I have no idea who they are. I feel much better now. I feel much better about myself. I feel much better about the fact that I do talk about these things because a lot of people do like I know and you know, I don't really deal with comments and all on our shows. We talk about some things that, you know, are conspiracy and I'll give my point of view on it. Like I said, I'm not out to change anybody's mind. Just listen to it if you want. 
I don't get into the arguments. Yeah. I don't get into, oh, did you do research? Where's your quote? I Listen, do your own research. That's what I'm about. Do your own. I think that's what people forget is that people can talk about whatever they want. People can be absolutely wrong and go on like a podcast platform and spill whatever opinion or whatever they believe. And that's completely fine. I think people forget that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's completely fine. Let those people believe what they want to believe. He believes that it was all a job. You know, there's probably people out there that they're like, you know what? Nope, it was hijacked. It was terrorist. You know, let him believe what he wants to believe and you can believe what you want to believe. There's, you know, have a criticize, maybe like, not a criticize. What's the conversation? Like like a, yeah, like a constructive conversation. Criticism, but have a conversation. Have a conversation. Why argue? Mm -hmm. I feel like, like I said, it goes back to, Remember how we all were on September 12th, 2001. Right. Unity. Did I catch y'all on MySpace arguing with people in the comments? Probably not. Right. You're right. And, but that's where we are now. That's where it brings me to my spirituality. It's where it brings me to meditation because it does. It helps you to clear your mind and help question things. And September 11th still means so much to me. It'll still be a, you know, a point in life that was one of the biggest tragedies, no matter how you look at it. Mm-hmm. It forever changed the face of the world, not just New York City, but there were many, many people that were involved in some way or another that was connected to that. Yeah. You could always relate back to that. And I'm at peace with that now. It happened. Hopefully it never happens again, but be ready. This is why I always say be ready. There's a lot more coming down the pipe. Because they were able to do that. And I was like the catapult, the springboard to start all this other stuff that's going to go on. Like spying on your own. COVID-19. COVID and all that other stuff. You're absolutely right. So that's where we are. So I want to thank you all for joining us on this podcast. I'm going to end the podcast here. I'm going to remain on wisdom because I know people are standing by and I want to get to you. Okay. Um, So just stand by one minute. Uh, Guys, again. Our website, eyeopenersociety.onpodium.co, YouTube, Eye Opener Society, Facebook, X, Instagram, and all that. We want to thank you all for listening, Um, and we'll be back soon. Wisdom, stand by in just one second, guys. I'm going to get to you, okay?